Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day. We're so glad you joined us here for the conversation as we go verse by verse through the book of Jeremiah. Our series, The Hard Truth, is looking at this Old Testament prophet's messages of sorrow, judgment, and hope. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Welcome back, my friends. Appreciate you joining us today for this episode of Everyday Truth. And I got a couple new ones that are listening. You've told me, so thank you for joining the family. Appreciate you being here. It's always a little bit more difficult to jump in halfway into a Bible study. We're right here in Jeremiah chapter four today. Feel free to listen to some of the back episodes. They're all uh, there for you. You can go to kurtskelly.com or faithva.org and you can listen to any number of books of the Bible uh, on the uh, podcasts and they're all listed by verse the verse allocation. So if you want to study a certain verse or you're studying a certain passage, if we've done a podcast on it, then uh, you'll be able to reference that and that might be a good tool for you. Well, for today, we're in Jeremiah chapter four and verse number nine. So let's go ahead and start there if we can. Jeremiah, of course, is issuing a prophetic judgment upon God's God's people. Uh, They're backsliding. He's encouraged them to deal with their heart, break up that fallow ground, uh, deal with the inner motivations. Don't just make outward decisions begrudgingly. That's like putting soil on thorny ground. It's not going to work. Deal with the heart issues. But for whatever reason, God's people, uh, they're just kind of digging in. Uh, They are just rebelling. And so God has predicted and promised that he loves them enough to really shake them, to allow a foreign entity, Babylon, to come in to attack them, not not to ultimately destroy them, but to bring them into captivity, to wake them up in that sense. And God's chastisements are, are always for our good, like the spanking of a loving parent to his child. Uh, They're always for our good and for his glory. And we're finding that as we study the passage, look at uh, Jeremiah chapter four and verse number nine, where it says, it shall come to pass at that day, saith the Lord. So what day? The day of judgment, which at this point is still decades away in, in Jeremiah's prophecy, but that day will come in 586. And the people of God never really thought that. And what we'll find as the book progresses is that there were many competing voices as Jeremiah was preaching a message uh, that was primarily negative that people don't like to hear. The other prophets were telling people what they did want to hear. They were false prophets. They were saying, no, no, there's peace. And our alliance with Egypt is working. And God would never allow the temple to be destroyed. And don't listen to negative preachers like Jeremiah. And the people really wanted to hear those messages. And those prophets were in the majority. And they were telling people what they wanted to hear. So why would you not hear those prophets? And they were false prophets. And we're going to learn all about them. So 
when Jeremiah issues this prophecy of doom, this prophecy that's so negative, uh, people are caught completely off guard when it actually happens. Look at verse number nine. It shall come to pass at that day, saith the Lord, that the heart of the king shall perish. That's just metaphorical language to say, wow, he is going to be crestfallen. Uh, The leadership is just going to be blown away. He's going to be ultimately depressed because the Bible says his heart shall perish and the heart of the princes, all the leadership in the country. But watch this. And the priests shall be astonished and the prophets shall wonder. So even those in the country who are tasked with spiritual leadership, a priest was one who represented man, represented the country to God. And of course, the prophets are they who are supposed to be communicating God's message to man. So in that sense, these were the spiritual leaders. And yet the Bible says that when the judgment of God would ultimately fall upon the country, they would be just as shocked as anybody else. Why? Because they are positional leaders. They have a title of leadership, but they have no real followership of God. Uh, They really don't understand the word of God. They're not in touch with the heart of God. Uh, They're just professional at their religious duties. And I wonder how true that is today. Just because someone has a title, just because they pastor a church or have a doctor's degree or call themselves a reverend or a pastor doesn't necessarily mean that they're in touch with God. And that's doubly dangerous. Why? Because when a leader whom other people expect will instruct them in the truth are not instructing in truth, are not telling the people the words of God, then that leader is doubly responsible because now he has influenced other people for destruction. I think that's the language of the Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter one, when he says, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please man, I should not be the servant of Christ. So what is Paul saying? Paul is saying, it is a, it is a dangerous thing for people that are vested with authority, that have the title, that represent God, if they are misrepresenting, wow, how dangerous is that? I think that's the thought behind James chapter three and verse one. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we, we, we leaders, we teachers, we masters, we shall have the greater condemnation. We're held to a much level, much higher level of accountability. And so when destruction came to Jerusalem, the priests were astonished. The prophets were amazed. Why? Because they had no real connection with God. They knew about God. They knew about the word of God. Uh, They studied the word of God, but they had no real spiritual understanding because their heart was not bent toward God. Look at verse number 10. Then said I, so this is Jeremiah's response to his own message. Jeremiah receives this message from God, this message that judgment is coming, the city's going to fall, 
the leaders are going to melt. Even the priests and prophets are going to be amazed. And Jeremiah is preaching this message that God gave him. And Jeremiah is not even believing the message that he's preaching. It's like, Lord, you can't do that. Look at verse number 10. Then said I, ah, Lord God, surely thou hast greatly deceived this people and Jerusalem, saying, ye shall have peace, whereas the sword reacheth unto the soul. Lord, this, this can't be true. Yeah, I thought that you promised peace for Jerusalem, that you promised good for your people. And now I'm preaching this message about the destruction and that this is going to come and it's a sure thing and the leadership's going to melt and Lord, this can't be. Sometimes even those that walk most faithfully with the Lord are struggling to know that God, he plays for keeps and he makes has messages that that sometimes are very hard for us to to not only believe, but to preach. And Jeremiah, and I love this verse because it really shows that no matter how right with God you are, regardless of how committed you are to the word of God or how sincere you are, sometimes we just are confused. And I think that's one of the reasons why people love the Psalms so much. Because when you go to the Psalms, you see just raw human emotion and people that articulate their frustration to God. And can I just say this? It's not wrong to do that. It's not wrong today. If you're struggling with your faith or struggling with the way God is doing something or not doing something in your life, it's not wrong for you to say, ah, Lord, what are you doing? I I don't understand. Can I just say, He knows your heart already. He already senses your frustration. It's not wrong for you to verbalize it. What I would say is verbalize it to him. That's productive. Instead of complaining to other people or decrying uh, how God has failed you to others, that's never the right thing to do. But to go to the Lord, to say directly to God, God, I'm not getting this. Please help me to understand this. Lord, this just doesn't seem fair. That is good and right and appropriate. And you're going to a place where God can deal with the situation in your life. So please uh, never feel as if you can't uh, bring your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. We're going to leave the verse there right now, though, because we're out of time. So we'll stop there. At verse number 10, sorry that we were only able to get through a couple today, but but they were important, important verses for us to consider. So we'll uh, go ahead and quit at verse number 10, jump back into verse number 11 next time. Hope you'll join us for uh, that episode. Appreciate you listening today. Hope you have a great day in the Lord. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, Go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.